You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can get Locked On Hornets on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and when you get in your car or you get home from work, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Hornets. We're getting closer and closer to the NBA season. Got a chance to join James Borrego along with the other members of the Charlotte media at the Charlotte Hornets Luncheon, the James Borrego Luncheon, where we got to speak with him at Capitol Grill. Get to talk about that a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. And also Rick Bennell wrote an article about Terry Rozier. He had a sit-down. He's been having a lot of sit-down interviews with members of the Charlotte Hornets, you could argue. He's had now interviews with the most important members of the Hornets. He's had an interview with Michael Jordan, or at least he had the exclusive with Michael Jordan, got to sit down with Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego. And now what I think is going to be the leading scorer in Terry Rozier, although we'll get to some of the things that James Borrego had to say at his luncheon that did pertain to who might be the leading scorer of this Charlotte Hornets team. When we got there, Capitol Grill, got a little notebook to write all of our things down, anything that we had that we found particularly interesting. And uh, there's a couple of things to go through here. So let's go ahead and and I'll open up the notebook that I wrote at Capitol Grill. Man, y'all didn't tell me. Like, I would never have even thought to go to Capitol Grill because it's way too much. It's way too expensive for me. Can't, Can't ball like that. I got a ball on a budget. But I'll tell you this. The dessert, we got like a little dessert cart. We got chocolate cake, cheesecake, and we had creme brulee. And those three things may have been the best things ever put in my mouth. I mean, absolutely amazing. And also the fried calamari, probably second, eh, I guess fourth if you want to include the entire dessert. But y'all didn't tell me about Capitol Grill being that good, man. I had no clue. So it was, I, it was, it was funny he would take questions at the beginning. James Borrego was taking questions from everybody. And I'm just sitting there stuffing my face with the seafood platter that we got and the appetizers. And then at the end, I was gorging myself with dessert. So that's really my biggest takeaway. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Now, we'll get into some of the stuff that he said. So the things that he opens up with, at least as I go down my notebook that I had, is he's going to play the young guys more than ever, and they want to establish an identity. And so we know that they're going to play the younger guys more than ever because that's really the only choice that they have. Establishing the identity, it goes to the four pillars that James Borrego is trying to sell everyone now. And I got to tell you, I'm worried about this becoming so much of a feature that it gets annoying, right? I mean, something that a head coach might go back to constantly. You know, I'm just, I'm hoping that we can get more interesting things from him as I understand he's not going to enjoy all of the tanking conversation, the rebuilding They refuse to use the word rebuilding. They want to use the word transition. Had kind of a funny moment at the luncheon when he talked about calling it a transition or a rebuild. He said that if anybody, excuse me, if everybody at the luncheon wrote down their definition of rebuild, it might be different. But it's a rebuild. I mean, we can call it for what it is, and I'm going to call it a rebuild here at least. So the four pillars, right, of James Brego and what he wants to go to every single time that he talks about what he's looking for this season. He says he wants the team to compete every night. He wants to foster player development. He wants to establish an identity. 
and he wants to build winning habits. And the reason I think he's going to go to that every time is because he told us that he's going to go to that. So he's going to reference that constantly throughout the season. That might get a little old. It's cool. I understand I understand the kind of message that you're trying to send to all the players, but that might get old, but again, it's it's probably a good it's probably a good four pillars to have if you are a rebuilding team. Compete every night, try not to get embarrassed, foster player development, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Establish an identity and build winning habits. And so let's talk about fostering player development a little bit more because we all know that that was one of the biggest selling points to the fan base of Charlotte and why James Borrego became the new head coach. It was because we wanted to see Malik Monk develop as a basketball player. We wanted to see the young guys in this organization continue to develop at a level that maybe had not happened before. And they used Greensboro as a as a large part. They used Greensboro as one of the most important instruments in this orchestra to try to develop the best players possible. And Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham are the two biggest success stories based on how they utilized the Greensboro Swarm. One interesting thing that James Borrego said, and then he looked to Mike Cristaldi, who was head of the PR department with the Charlotte Hornets, that they don't have it figured out yet, but they're working on the details and they're in negotiations. Uh, Bringing in an assistant coach that would go back and forth from the Swarm to the Charlotte Hornets. And so I don't want to say that it's a glorified babysitter because I I think that entails discipline. And I don't know if they're hiring this guy to make sure that a Dwayne Bacon or a Devontae Graham or whoever is going to go back and forth from the G League to the NBA. I, I don't think that he's making sure they're not getting into trouble. I think there's just an assistant coach that's almost almost just a, a mentor, a coaching mentor that is constantly with them, right? I mean, if you, let's say, let's just use Dwayne Bacon as an example. I don't know who that would be this year. Cody Martin probably sounds like a pretty good bet as a guy that could go back and forth from the NBA to the G League. But if you had a Dwayne Bacon, right? Or we can just use Cody Martin, screw it. We'll go to Cody Martin and let's say that he's on the team and then he goes back and forth where, you know, Dwayne Bacon talked about not getting playing time with the Charlotte Hornets and wanting some playing time and then going back to Greensboro and thriving on it, learning the different nuances of the game. You know, you can have the assistant coach that can very easily relay the message of one James Borrego because he's going to be with Borrego quite a bit. You know, he's going to instill the same uh, thought process and philosophies as James Borrego would. And so I kind of like that move. It's interesting. There are other teams that do it. I don't think he gave us some of the other teams that employ assistant coaches that go back and forth from the NBA team to the G League affiliate. But I kind of like that. A guy that's kind of following the players who go back and forth between both of the franchise and the sub-franchise. So that's something that's interesting. You know, he did say that they're going to utilize the Greensboro Swarm more than ever, even more than last year. So we know the success stories from last year, and then he talked about using it even more so. I wonder how much P.J. Washington would go down. I, I, I've always said that I thought that was a little overplayed. People were a little worried about P.J. Washington staying down there. But James Borrego opened up the luncheon by saying the younger players are going to play more than ever. You know, Maybe they want to send P.J. Washington down there, but they didn't send Miles Bridges down there. I don't think at all. Maybe a little bit. But I don't remember him playing any kind of significant minutes whatsoever. Like I even remember Malik Monk going down there for a couple of games jacking up every single shot in the world. 
But Miles stayed with the Hornets. And so if you're in this situation, I would imagine P.J. Washington is going to stay with the Hornets for the most part rather than go down to the G League. And I want to talk about P.J. Washington's role on the other side of the break because he gets into it, and it is a little interesting in what he plans, P.J. Washington, what he plans for him to do this season. Support the people who support us, like Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D to get started. We'll take a quick break. We'll talk about P.J. Washington, how James Borrego plans to use him this season, as well as what the identity is going to be for the Charlotte Hornets team. It's one of the four pillars. Don't miss it. It's here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. When James Borrego was asked about P.J. Washington, I'm sure I was, I'm sure I had a face full of calamari at the time. He was asked about P.J. Washington towards the beginning of the luncheon, just how he wanted to use him and Miles Bridges. It was kind of a question piggybacking off of one of the Miles Bridges answers that he just gave previously. And he says P.J. Washington is a four slash five, but probably more of a four right now. They do want to use him as the five every once in a while. And he says, P.J. Washington will not have to wait to shoot three-pointers. He's going to shoot them right now. He said shooting three-pointers is going to be something that he does immediately. They're not going to work with them a ton before he actually is allowed to go shoot them out there. And I think that would make some sense after being a 40-point, three-point percentage shooter uh, in college. I think that makes a lot of sense to go out there and, of course, just go ahead and jack them up with the good good opportunities, right? I mean, you don't want to have the bad shot selection, but I think that makes some sense that P.J. Washington is going to play some four, but also they are going to play some five a little bit, not as much as the power forward position. But Borrego did reiterate that he likes Miles Bridges more as a power forward. He thinks he profiles a little bit better as a power forward here at the NBA. And I think that raises some fair questions. You know, how many times have we talked about Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington needing to coexist on the floor at the same time? Well, I I think the way you're going to see that, based on what he said, is you're going to see Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington being the two biggest guys or playing the two biggest positions on the court, and maybe you'll see them at some 3-4. You you can see both of those combinations happening, but that P.J. Washington at the 5 lineup, you know, that interests me. Versatile guy, I mean, we know the kind of identity they want to establish. They want to establish a versatile defense all around where guys can switch pretty much one through five at least it seems like that's what they want based off all of the guys that they've drafted they draft miles bridges in the first round last year then they draft what a lot of people think is a redundant selection in pj washington in the first round this year cody martin in the second round and then jalen mcdaniels as the second pick in the second round by the way he didn't say that jalen mcdaniels would or would not play with 
the summer league team. It's still a possibility, but Rick Bennell asked that at the luncheon, and Borrego said that's more of a Mitch Kupchak question at the moment. So still a possibility, but he's not there now. But we get the point. I mean, we know what kind of team that they're trying to build. They want to build a team that has a lot of versatile defenders that can really switch not only just maybe one position over, but can cover more than just a couple of positions. You know, Miles going from you know switching on maybe to a two and maybe guarding a smaller five and P.J. Washington guarding maybe a three through a five. Cody Martin, you know, all these guys being anywhere in a six five to 6'10 range, you know, more 6'9 range with P.J. Washington as the tallest guy that uh, of all the younger guys that they've drafted. But defense is, is a huge emphasis this year for James Borrego. And he talked about Terry Rozier being the leader of the defense. Now, he was asked a couple of times about Terry Rozier. He said he's going to get a significant jump in minutes where he averaged around 20 last season with the Boston Celtics, and he's going to be playing 30 minutes this year. Borrego mentioned that he's going to have to maybe give him a breather on back-to-backs, of course, but every other time, you know, we'll see if Terry Rozier is able to handle that kind of workload, that he's going to have to manage his minutes a little bit, but that he is going to see a significant jump. I don't think that wows any of us. I think we all saw that coming. But he does keep stressing defense for Terry, more so than the offensive end. He loves Terry's competitiveness as much as anything. You know, there's a lot of things bad you can say about Terry Rozier. You can say some bad things about the efficiency. It hasn't been there. You can say there's a bad shot selection. That certainly has reared its head a few times. But the competitiveness is one thing that I feel like we hear a lot about. Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders loves himself some Terry Rozier, and he cites the competitiveness. James Borrego cites the competitiveness. And I like that the basketball heads like the competitiveness, and I get all that. At some point, though, we got to see some production, right? Terry Rozier, he's a fun scorer when he's on. Problem is, we all know, again, the, the big thing about him is not shooting at 40%. And so I like a dog, man. I mean, I think we all can like that kind of attitude. He's a fun guy. I, I, I like having that type of personality. Man, we haven't had a whole lot of personalities with the Charlotte Hornets. I, I'm down for a change. I would like to see that dog, Scary Terry, the whole persona, man. I'm with it. I like all of that. But it's fair to ask for traditional numbers to be good. <laughs> it's, it's fair to ask for the efficiency to be better than what it has been. And so hopefully we get something more than just the competitiveness. The defensive side, it's funny. You kind of read up on what other people who have watched Terry Rozier with the Boston Celtics a lot more closely than I have live. I mean, we've seen some film on him. But people that have watched Terry Rozier, they kind of cite his defense. It's, it's differing opinions on his defense. You know, I actually like the effort that he gives. It was inconsistent with the Boston Celtics. But Terry, in that interview with Rick Pinnell, you know, Terry said that he didn't care about it in high school, admitted that. But then when he went to Louisville, that Rick Pitino challenged him. And Terry kind of bought into the idea of stopping his man, not allowing his man an easy bucket. And we know the Rick Pitino defense, pressing, you know, wanting to coach a whole bunch of Patrick Beverly's out there. That's the idea of Rick Pitino's defense. And having Terry Rogier buy into that a little bit, I think you could see that. So he's not a bad defender. 
He's good at times, and the defensive rating for the Boston Celtics was always good. You know, you could see Terry Rozier on and off the court. It, it didn't change much. So Terry Rozier being the leader of this defense is interesting that, that that's what they're selling us on. Because I think we, we all think of Terry Rozier as an offensive player that needs to be more efficient. But James Brago is sitting here telling us, no, he is going to be the leader of the defense. And then when we think of the offense, I, I think it's pretty easy to say that he is going to be the leading scorer of this team. But James Brago was asked that at the luncheon, and he wouldn't even give us a Terry Rozier. You know, and you might just think, okay, that's that's just coach speak. He doesn't want to give us an answer. He doesn't know who's going to be that guy. But I thought it was pretty obvious, your $18 million a year guy, who's going to have the basketball in his hands as much as anybody would be the leading scorer. He he mentioned him, but then I he mentioned Dwayne Bacon, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. And I guess it's another name that you could put up there, but I don't. I don't think that it would be Terry Rozier. He was also asked at the luncheon, you know, if Dwayne Bacon would see any more time in Greensboro. And, you know, that question, it, it, I don't I don't think that he's going to see any time in Greensboro. This is his time now. Dwayne Bacon is here with the Charlotte Hornets. And James Brago said as such, he said, Dwayne Bacon is going to be an important player for the Charlotte Hornets. You know, he's going to have a huge impact. And Brago also mentioned that he could be in play as the leading scorer for this team. Dwayne Bacon's been getting a lot of play this offseason, right? I mean, we've talked about this before. The Charlotte Hornets account on Twitter showing pictures of Dwayne Bacon, showing pictures of P.J. Washington, and Devontae Graham's gotten a lot of play as well. Dwayne Bacon, it seems all these guys work hard. You know, it, it's always kind of troublesome when you hear people say, oh, he works harder than that guy. I mean, all these guys got to the NBA for a reason, man. They all work extremely hard. They're all extremely talented. You know, I, I get all of that. It just seems like Dwayne Bacon has a level of care that exudes off of him a little bit more than maybe some other people, right? I that That's the kind of impression that I get. You know, I, I always go back to that interview that Dwayne Bacon had at halftime where it just seems like he is articulating what he's processing a little bit better. He allows you into his brain a little bit more. And it was kind of rough talking to him in his rookie year, and he got so much better in the next couple of seasons. You know, in that article about using Greensboro so much, you know, Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego mentioned how Dwayne Bacon was maybe a little bit of a rare breed and that he wanted to go get minutes and get better, even if it meant playing for the Swarm, that he didn't necessarily see it as this huge downgrade, that he eventually bought in and said, you know what, I can use this for my benefit. And he's been here in Charlotte working out. I'm just, I'm excited to see Dwayne Bacon this season as much as any. You know, and how crazy is it that he was the second-round pick? People liked Dwayne Bacon as the second-round pick. But it's just funny that he has even passed his first-round counterpart in Malik Monk. We'll talk a little bit about Malik Monk on the other side of the break because James Borrego did have some things to say about him, a body transformation. We'll get into a little bit more of the details on the other side. Thanks again for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We have one more segment coming up. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. 
AKA Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Before we get into some of the talk about the first round picks and PJ Washington and Miles Bridges and uh, and and Malik Monk, I want to talk about the first round picks for the Hornets the last three years. But one thing I thought the biggest takeaway for me from that entire luncheon, I just one of the one of the simple things that he said was obviously there's this big importance on defense that they will defend, right? I mean James Borrego, he is stressing that as being the most the biggest factor. That goes into 2019 and 2020. You better compete and you better defend. And the way that he's going to make sure that the defense is up to at least what he would like it to be is he's going to take the minutes away from people that simply aren't defending. And I thought it was interesting. He kind of he flashed his power. He showed his authority. James Borrego told us that, look, guys want contracts, right? And we all know this. We all know that guys want money. Guys want contracts. This is what Borrego's telling us. He says, guys want contracts. And if you want a good payday, then you need minutes to go out there on the court and showcase what you can do. You need minutes to go get a payday. And they know I control their minutes. And if I control their minutes, then they're going to have to defend to get some run. And I thought that was funny. You know, I thought I was like, all right. You know, he's going to make sure that these guys play. And it kind of made me think about Malik Monk a little bit who we know that defense has been his biggest weakness. And certainly when you're only shooting 33% from three-point range as a shooter, then it's going to be really tough to forgive, especially when the defense is that bad. It's going to be hard to forgive you and give you a whole lot of run. But that's something that came to mind. He said, hey, I control contracts. Or, I, I excuse me, I control minutes. You need minutes for contracts. And so guys are going to have to defend if they want to go out there and get some playing time. And so Malik Monk was one of the few questions after that, I believe, saying, hey, how does Malik Monk look? And he said he was in the gym, just saw him that day. This was a Tuesday that this luncheon took place. He said he was in the gym and that he put on 20 pounds of muscle. It's a lot. It's a lot of muscle to put on, and he needed it. I mean, he was a string bean out there. And you could see him be weak. I mean, you could see him get pushed around. You know, I wonder if he finishes a little bit better at the rim if he puts all this pound, John. Because we know how athletic he is, man. He's so athletic, but he needs a little bit of weight on him. And now we know this. 20 pounds of muscle. You know, we'll see how he looks. We'll see if the body really has transformed, like James Borrego has said. And maybe we can't tell. But I'm hoping to see a little bit more strength from Malik Monk. We looked at his turnovers last year when driving to the bucket, too. And he seemed a little bit more prone turning the ball over when driving to the bucket. And maybe the strength is able to hold on to that basketball a little bit more. Of course, the decision-making would make a big difference in him turning the ball over and while heading to the basket. But the strength, hopefully that's there. I think that can really help him. And now talking about Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington as some of the first-round picks, Miles Bridges said, you know, of course, we all ask about what Miles needs to do. And he said Miles Bridges needs to improve his playmaking. And I think that makes a lot of sense. We all know that Sky Miles can jump out of the gym. We know that he's a really good rebounder. We know that his sheer athleticism can just make up 
for some things on off-ball defense. He still needs to process things a lot better. You know, his off-ball defense still isn't very good. But there are every once in a while, just because he's so athletic, he's able to make up for it by just getting out of the floor faster than everyone and then coming over for a help side block. We've seen that from Miles Bridges a couple of times, so we know he needs to process things. But the playmaking for Miles Bridges, that does need to improve. And that's something that James Borrego is looking to see hit another level this season for Miles. And P.J. Washington, you have to wonder about the playmaking of him. Like He's a fine enough passer, I think. But I'm interested to see how the ball movement is going to be with the Charlotte Hornets team. Because we know Terry Rozier likes himself some Terry. He's prone to jacking up bad shots alongside what could be a significant backcourt mate or at least playing significant minutes with him. And Malik Monk, who we know likes to jack up shots, his playmaking is awesome. It's just the decision-making that needs to improve as well. But Malik Monk and Terry Rozier having the ball in their hands. You know, we've talked about Nick Batum being too passive. So maybe Nick Batum, maybe Terry Rozier is going to love playing with Nick Batum because Nick is just going to say, hey, here, here you go, Terry. I'll stand in the corner. And so if you have those two guys and Miles Bridges, who's fine enough, P.J. Washington, who's a fine enough passer. Now, Dwayne Bacon's not a very good passer. He's a scoring guy. I still am very interested in how he's going to do this year. So I'm interested in the ball movement overall, just how everything kind of, how everybody coexists, because it was so much of, uh, of Kemba Walker last year. I mean, we all know that. And Terry Rozier in this article with Rick Bennell, you know, Terry said, look, I'm not Kemba. I've got mad respect for Kemba's game. I know I'm. anytime I face him, I'm going to give him everything I have, and I know it's going to be reciprocated. But I'm not Kimba, so don't talk to me about Kimba. That was a pretty blunt statement from Terry Rozier. You know, I didn't get that. You want to get your own respect. We all respect what Kimba Walker did, and I think most players do. I think Terry Rozier respects what Kimba Walker did. But he said, you know, I'm. hey, I'm not Kimba. I'm Terry. And so I'm going to have to go out there and play like Terry Rozier. And he's a man on a mission that he wants to improve. He wants to show everybody that this is someone that can bounce back from what a lot of people consider a down year. Said some things didn't go right for him in Boston. He loves coming to Charlotte. That Michael Jordan was a big reason why he came to Charlotte. He said Michael Jordan, all 80 to 90% of Michael Jordan's impact was just simply being the greatest basketball player of all time. That there wasn't a whole lot of messaging from Michael. It's just the fact that Michael was on board to bring him there. That Michael wanted Terry. And he was like, yeah, you know, you didn't have to sell me on anything else after that. Basically, 80 to 90% of that was Michael Jordan wants me? Cool. Let's get this done. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. That was about the luncheon with James Brago on Tuesday and Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer interviewing Terry Rozier, who is going to be a big part of the Charlotte Hornets team. Thanks again for listening, and remember you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. Doug should be back in October. We're going to get back to daily. We're going to start with the NBA season. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for basketball to get here. And so Doug Branson, who's been doing a lot of work with the Locked On Podcast Network, he's going to be back on the pod. He says he's jonesing for it. I'm ready for him to be back to talk some Charlotte Hornets basketball with me as well. So stay tuned. Uh, we will get to be going back to a daily podcast at some time in the first week of October, at the beginning of October, we'll start to get that done a little bit more. So stick around. 
and stay tuned to when we actually change that scheduling, but it should happen soon. We always appreciate the listen.